It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 349 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, June 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Right now, we are deep in the thick of our Locked On NBA mock draft. Uh, picks 1 through 12 over the course of two episodes are already up on the feed. If you subscribe to Locked On NBA, they'll be right there for you. Uh, the second day of the draft went today, so picks 7 through 12, I believe. The Cavs are in there. The Knicks are in there. If you're a fan of one of those teams, make sure you check it out. And if you're a neutral fan, like I'm a Raptors fan, and it's still, you know, the Raptors don't have a pick, and it's still an interesting thing to listen to. Lots of good analysis and all the prospects and just sort of the mindset of a lot of these teams as we go through, as all the hosts of the Locked On shows work as the GMs for each team. It's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing that we do. Uh, one of the more elaborate things that we do as a network, so make sure you're checking that out. It's great. Uh, and I believe you'll get day three tomorrow with it finishing up next Monday and Tuesday with the last two segments of the first round. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review on iTunes as well, please. It's the best way to support the show. 
It's uh, It takes five seconds and really, really helps with the algorithms and the rankings and all that stuff. We hit 100 ratings on iTunes. That's so nice. I'm very happy to hear that or see that. Whatever the hell. I don't hear that, I guess. Um, very happy to see that. It's, uh, it makes me feel really good. And uh, thank you so much to anyone who's ever left feedback. It's uh, It really means a lot that people listen and care enough to just write something down. It makes me it makes it all worth it to do this every day or, you know, four days a week, most days, <laughs> most weeks. But um, I, I really appreciate it very much. And uh, thanks. If you have uh, left a comment, if you haven't yet, thank you in advance. And uh, please join the next 100 people. It's, uh, it's very, very helpful. All right. On today's show, uh, it's going to be a mailbag podcast. But first, I guess we should probably talk about Nick Nurse, who was announced as the Raptors head coach today. Uh, had a press conference. And we can just kind of go over some of the stuff he said, I suppose, and sort of the stuff that came out of it, the talking points that people were focusing on. So we'll get to that. I'll play a couple clips, actually, um, from the press conference, a couple kind of interesting ones about how he wants to sort of shape the team, how he wants to be more innovative, and a very interesting and sort of awkward one at the end where he gets asked how he would have approached the Cleveland series differently than Dwayne Casey. That is just, um, it's it's super awkward and great, um, and you read into it what you want, but I thought it was an interesting answer, and uh, I think Nick Nurse, from this press conference, if there's anything that I came away with it, thinking it's that he's going to do things differently than Dwayne Casey did, and he's going to have a different voice than Dwayne Casey did, and I'm excited to see what he brings. Uh, So I I guess we should sort of hit on some of the bigger things before I play those clips, some of the stuff he hit on. Um, So here are some of the things. He talked about innovation a lot. He talked about sort of changing things up and sort of experimenting, using the regular season as a bit of a a canvas upon which to experiment and try the new things out in order to be ready for the playoffs. He talked about, in particular, defense, which... I think is important. You know, Nick Nurse probably was typecast in the lead-up during the coaching search and all that stuff, was probably typecast as an offensive guy because he was the lead offensive assistant for the Raptors. Uh, As he pointed out, and as it's probably wise to to point out, he's not just an offense-first guy. He was a head coach for 22 years before getting the Raptors job, whether in England or in the G League. He's been around the block and has been a head coach and had to sort of mine... Uh, or mind the defense of a team pretty regularly as well, right? Like, that's been a focus of him as a head coach. And, you know, it's not like he's just been in the offensive mindset his entire career. He has had to focus on defense. And as I mentioned on yesterday's podcast, uh, this was in Eric Kareen's piece. He talked to Chris Finch, a former uh, opponent of Nick Nurse over in England. Um, he talked about how Finch said that. He always viewed Nick Nurse as more of a defensive genius than an offensive genius. And considering what the Raptors did on offense this season with Nurse sort of being the architect, I think that's pretty encouraging. So uh, the fact that Nurse spent most of the time talking about how the league is changing defensively, how switching has become so much more necessary, um, and how the sort of playoffs, you know, the Raptors maybe weren't quite as ready for the playoffs as maybe they could be considering, um, you know, they didn't really experiment all that much in the regular season. I touched on this as well yesterday, or I have for the last month or so, talking about the lead to the coaching change, um, you know, I, I think the way that Nick Nurse talked about using the regular season to experiment in order to be ready for the playoffs, I think is a pretty exciting thing. Um, another interesting thing he talked about, and this was, I believe, in a later scrum, I heard this on the radio, actually, uh, he talked about Kyle Lowry and how he wants to get Kyle Lowry more involved in the offense, get him more touches, get him uh, sort of be more of a fulcrum of the offense than he was this season. He said this season was great for him, no doubt, and he, he had a lot of high praise about Kyle Lowry as a competitor and as a player. Uh, and he said that, you know, what he did with a lessened load was excellent, but 
He said that sort of as Kyle Lowry has figured out the offense a little bit more, he kind of wants to get the ball in his stomach a little bit more and put it there and just say, all right, go to work, Kyle, because Kyle Lowry's really good. And I think we've talked about this. And yes, that leads to issues with DeMar DeRozan as an off-ball player and what that brings. And, um, you know, we can get to DeRozan in a second as well. But yeah, I, I think the Kyle Lowry stuff is pretty interesting. I kind of wish at times this season Kyle Lowry was doing more. I think one of my biggest complaints about this regular season and a season where there were very few complaints was that Kyle Lowry was really called upon in crunch time very often. There would be five-minute stretches in close games where Kyle wouldn't really touch the ball. He'd be a decoy off the ball. He'd make good defensive plays, but wouldn't really be involved in the offense as mostly DeRozan and Fred Van Vliet, oddly enough, sort of traded possessions being the catalyst for the offense. So the more Kyle Lowry, the better. And I don't think it's going to come at the expense of playing him more, per se. Nurse also talked about how it was great that they scaled back his minutes, how they sort of saved him 12 or so regular season games in total, in, you know, minutes-wise, just by bringing it back five or six minutes a game for him. And I would assume, considering he's going to be a year older at 32, it would make sense that they'll try to do the same thing. But when he's on the court sort of maximizing him, I think is probably a good way to go about it. And maybe you even play him fewer minutes, but you ride him harder in those you know 31 minutes he plays or something like that. Uh, that would be exciting as well. Because Kyle Lowry, as we've talked about, as we talked about with yesterday, Yesterday's podcast with Dan Hackett, he's really damn good, and him having the ball in his hands is uh, is not a bad thing for the Raptors by any means. Um, of course, that also affects DeMar DeRozan, and I think maybe the most interesting thing when you look at the player aspect of all this from Nick Nurse's press conference was that DeMar DeRozan, you know, he wasn't really mentioned all that much as, in, in the same sort of light that, that Kyle Lowry was, and this kind of, I think, led to a lot of people sort of talking about the prospect of DeMar not really being part of the team next season, and I don't know. This this thing kind of makes me queasy because the lack of a mention of DeMar or the, the the fewer mentions of DeMar than the other players on the team, in particular Kyle and even Jonas, maybe sort of like leads people to believe maybe they're, you're reading it too much into it. And that could be the case, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, you know, it sort of led people to believe, I think, that maybe DeMar is not quite as much in the plans for the future as, say, a Kyle or Jonas. And that's fair. Like, here's the thing is... The idea of moving on from DeMar makes some sense. And today when the Memphis rumors came out, uh, there was a report today that Memphis is looking to shop the number four overall pick to get rid of Chandler Parsons' contract. You know, the the instant reaction from Raptors fans is, oh, hey, maybe they want DeMar. And I think I've talked about it on this podcast, if not another podcast. Like, that, in theory, makes some sense if you are both the Raptors and the Grizzlies, in theory. Um, you know, DeMar DeRozan has proven he can play next to a, a very good point guard like Mike Conley or Kyle Lowry uh, with a sort of, you know, ball-dominant center, although Gasol is a very different player than I think Jonas is. But still, uh, that sort of construction has worked for DeMar, and it's made sense. And considering that Conley's a good shooter, you could have maybe DeMar work on the ball a little bit more often with, with the Grizzlies, and he can kind of be a, a de facto facilitator for them as well. Um, that would make some sense. The, the Raptors would get the number four overall pick, sort of give them a jump start on whatever the next era of the team is going to be uh and maybe they sort of punt this season uh, but then again you have Kyle Lowry and Jonas and all these guys and maybe you won't be bad so it's hard to say so in theory there is some logic to it I think for both the Raptors and Grizzlies I'm not sure it makes you know, as much sense as maybe people believe it does uh, I think with the Raptors trading DeMar is going to have tertiary and secondary and all these different sort of concerns that come from it because of the amount of usage that he, that he takes up. And yes, sometimes the usage is a little too much and people get annoyed by it, but at the same time, having a guy who can score 25 on, you know, a pretty high usage and a reasonable efficiency is very valuable when you don't have that many other creators on the team. And especially with Kyle, as we mentioned, 32 years old, maybe you want to scale his minutes back more. Uh, I, I think the 
the potential to have Kyle, you know, maybe overworked a little bit like we've seen in the past when DeMar's gotten hurt, that still looms large for sure if you're going to move on from DeRozan. So I think just the... Yes, the limitations of DeMar are there, and I've talked about them. We talked about them on the uh, season review for him, and they're they're probably the limitations that, or his limitations are probably what most cap this Raptors roster potential-wise, but at the same time, without his offensive prowess and his playmaking and just sort of the load that he carries, even if it's you know not to the same effect as a superstar ideally would do, that is uh, that that's not an easy thing to move on from, and I would sort of hesitate to be quick to jump on that, especially considering this is a very big, heavy draft, and the Raptors have a million bigs, and we've seen sort of the the, the limitations that bigs have. Of course, if you fall in love with a Jaron Jackson Jr. or someone like that, or a Mo Bamba at four, maybe you do it. But uh, I think for me, the dream scenario for that would be if you know you do that trade if Luka Doncic falls to four, and not really in any other case. Um, because you'd be getting a great value there, a guy who probably should be the number one overall pick, but because of, I don't know, xenophobia, he's not going to be. Um, you know, I would think that would be the situation where I'd be, like, overjoyed with that move, but, uh, yeah, but just to touch on the DeMar thing, and we'll get to the, the, the clips from Nick Nurse, and I might not have enough time for questions here, but um, I think to jump away just sort of from the idea of trading DeMar, just to sort of the fan reaction to it, like, I get it. It makes some sense. DeMar has his issues, and maybe this team would be set up to be better down the road if DeMar was moved and you got some stuff back for him. I get that. But, like, contain the giddiness a little bit. This is still DeMar Rosen we're talking about. This is maybe the most important player in franchise history. You can argue Vince Carter, but in terms of what he's done for the franchise, the winning he's done with the team, the just sort of... Um, you know, the homegrown aspect to it as well, the community aspect of it. Like, DeMar DeRozan is an all-time Raptor. He's going to have his number retired, and as much as his game might bother you sometimes, you'd be an idiot or just, like, a really misguided fan to be, like, psyched about the idea of moving on. Of course, like, any trade will, will be happy, but, like, it should be... It should come with a little grain of sadness, is what I'm saying. And people just seem so eager to move on from him, so eager to just sort of just dismiss what he did this season. And it was nothing to dismiss. He was a second-team All-NBA player. He was excellent. Yes, maybe Kyle Lowry was more deserving, but DeMar deserves his due as well. And I just, in the conversation about moving on from DeRozan, it feels like it's sort of bordering into just like a full-on DeRozan slander fest. And that annoys me. That's just something I'm going to get off my chest. I don't really know. That doesn't really matter all that much. I'm not here to tell you how to be a fan. Be a fan however you want. It's just kind of bothersome uh, when people just seem so eager to move on from DeMar without really sort of thinking about what it, what that kind of means and what that carries with it. That is a monumental decision for a team to make. Um, and I don't think it's as easy as, oh yeah, trade it for the Memphis pick and it's good and we're all good and we'll move on and we'll be happy with Luka Doncic or whoever, uh, Marvin Bagley. Like, I don't know. You're, there's a good chance that whoever is the number four pick doesn't become DeMar DeRozan. And DeMar DeRozan, he's a rare, special kind of player. And I think Raptors fans should appreciate the hell out of him. Just if you're going to be you know vocal about him wanting to, wanting to move on from him, I get it. Fine. Just like chill a little bit. Don't be so giddy. Don't be so obvious with it because it's, it, it is kind of bothersome. It makes me a little bit queasy. I don't know why. This is a dumb rant. Anyway, uh, let's get to some clips from Nick Nurse. Uh, we'll take a quick break, actually. We'll come back to the other side, and we'll get to a few clips from Nick Nurse's press conference, uh, and then we'll wrap up with one or two listener questions. Maybe I'll have a more full-fledged uh, mailbag podcast tomorrow, uh, so we'll see about that. But yeah, quick break, and we'll come back with some Nick Nurse clips. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. Let's go to a couple clips here from Nick Nurse that I found interesting from his 16-plus minute or so press conference. If you want to watch the whole thing, there's a post on RaptorsHQ.com for you to check out if you want to go there. Uh, but here's a couple from Nick Nurse. First up, this is Nick Nurse talking about wanting to be more creative on the defensive end and sort of talking about the philosophy there. Uh, here it is. Again, I mentioned it already, the success that we want to have is in the playoffs. That's, that's what every team in the NBA um, goes for. And... Yeah, we need, to, we need to make sure we try a few new things here and there, try some different rotations. I think, I think where you'll see most of that would be a little bit more creatively on the defensive end as the regular season, preseason, just so we can try and be ready for more things in the playoffs. I think the playoffs change um, so much what happens defensively. Everybody, the games come at you so fast in the regular season that everybody's kind of playing their baseline philosophies so much and it comes to the regular season and all of a sudden you're doing or trying to do some things that you haven't really practiced enough and I'd hope we hope we can do that and, and um, get a, some different looks at some things so we're ready to go on both sides of the ball. So interesting stuff there. I think once again, I'll reiterate, don't typecast Nick Nurse as an offensive guy only because it really does seem like he has some ideas for how to change things up and play different defensively. And, you know, I think he seems... From what he t talked about today, it sounds like he's pretty content with the offense where it is. Maybe we'll see a little bit more added into the playbook to sort of spice it up a little, spice it up a little bit, find some more plays for Kyle or you know maybe Pascal Siakam or someone like that where they're you know facilitating or whatever. But uh, I think we'll see a lot of what we saw in offense last season because he mentioned as well the offense was fine in the playoffs. You know as noisy as those as those numbers can be, the offense scored at a pretty good rate. I believe the second highest in the NBA per possession in the postseason. Uh, you know, granted, it's the Wizards and Cavs defense you're up against. But either way, I don't think the Raptors ever lost a series or lost a game in the playoffs because their offense was just so out of sorts that they couldn't manage anything. Maybe the one game, maybe game four or it might have been three or four against the Wizards where DeMar kind of got into his own head a little bit and was sort of driving into nothingness. But for the most part, the offense upheld its principles. It looked great in fourth quarters. Uh, they blew away the, the Wizards in, in most of their wins, I think. They sort of blew it away with great offense in the fourth quarter. So um, I think what we'll see big, a big change in is the defense from Nick Nurse. So I'm curious to see how that's all going to play out. Uh, and his, this other one here, this one's just kind of funny. I don't know. It's Maybe you have to see his facial sort of expressions and uh, and signals that he makes when he's asked this question by Dave Feshchuk of the Toronto Star. Um, but you can tell that maybe there's something here that Nick Nurse wants to say but doesn't want to slander Dwayne Casey. And shouts to him for that. I wouldn't want to do that either because Dwayne Casey is, you know, a big reason why Nick Nurse is here today. Um, but I found it interesting. And once again, I think Nick Nurse, if anything, this sort of little passage here 
indicates that he's going to want to implement a bit of a different voice and a bit of a change in how the Raptors go about things over the course of a full season and in the playoffs uh, once he has the job. So here is Nick Nurse answering what he would have done differently in the Cavs series than Dwayne Casey. Well, I think, Dave, I'd like to answer that thing from, you know, assistant coaches have, have a lot of ideas that they give, and, and I really tried for, for the entirety of the time I was here to always give the best options, and then it's up to him to decide what to do, right? And um, I think the finals and our series had a lot of similarities to them, that, that we had that game one at home one, it felt like about six times, and it, and it got away from us. And I really think that changed the complexity of the whole series, and we saw it a little bit in the finals too, right, where, where Cleveland had that thing won, uh, and, and again, I don't really think they recovered from that, and, and the whole series could have changed uh, from the complexity of it. And, and again, I think, we, I think we, we battled, we came out in game two and had another nice lead, uh, and I think that game got away from us a little bit at the start of the second, uh, the end of the second, start of the third, and then I thought, I thought we, the way we played in game three in Cleveland was as hard as we played in five years. And, and I, again, um, if, we, if you know, James doesn't make that shot or, or whatever at the end, maybe we get that game in overtime. And again, the series got new life. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think uh, we could have played better, Dave. You know, just individually, we could have played better, we could have coached better, and, and that's what we're going to try to do next year. I told you, man, it's like kind of awkward, but uh, an interesting answer from Nick Nurse nonetheless. He's going to do things differently. I'm excited for it. Uh, I think you should be too as well. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back to either side. I'll answer one or two mailbag questions and wrap this thing up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we're back. Let's answer a couple of mailbag questions here because I said I would do a mailbag podcast and then I got carried away talking about the honor of DeMar DeRozan and I apologize for that. Uh, I'll fit these questions in uh, again. I'll probably do another mailbag podcast either early next week or maybe tomorrow, but tomorrow might be tight because I got to travel and stuff. Uh, all right, let's uh, get to question number one here. Some good ones in today. This one comes from the franchise at Lebon Star One. Of course, one of our writers at LockedOnRaptors.com, which you should check out. Uh, thoughts on the Raptors court making an appearance in Drake's music video. Uh, I was too busy paying attention to friend of the show, uh, trivia tournament contestant Jake Goldsby, who is in Drake's music video. Of course, Jake was uh, on Degrassi as a kid when uh, when Drake was there. Uh, the video from Upset is excellent, and uh, Jake is fantastic. Go see his play in November. Bad Jews. You should check it out. Jake rules. Uh, yeah, and I guess like no one else was using the court for the Raptors, so I guess... Go for it, Drake, I suppose. Uh, cool little shout. Nice to have it there, um, but a little depressing, I suppose, because the court could have been used for playoff basketball games late in June as opposed to being used for a video shoot. Uh, next question here. This one comes from Josh at Trick or Trites. Uh, he asked me top five baseball team logos. I'm going to answer top five basketball team logos because this is basketball, uh, a basketball podcast. Um, 
Basketball logos are kind of lame for the most part. I would say if I'm going off like the stock, I have like the picture here with the main logos for all the team. I would say like my top five would go the new Milwaukee Bucks. They have the cool M, like the negative space M. Anytime there's negative space, big fan, always down for some negative space. Uh, they've got like the weird sort of basketball shaped antlers up top as well. Lots of good little, uh, I think, sort of subtle design quirks there that I like a lot. Um, I'm probably going to miss some design quirks as well because I'm not that well versed in all these logos. A lot of them are newish. Um, but yeah, that one's excellent. I like the Atlanta Hawks one, their full Atlanta Hawks basketball club one with the Pac-Man logo. I think that's pretty sharp. It would look much better if their jerseys weren't neon garbage, but hey, that one's pretty good. Uh, the P Portland Trailblazers is like a perfect logo with the, the, the interlocking pinwheel thingy. Uh, the five stripes on each side it's supposed to represent, represent the five players on each side of the basketball game. That's great. I love it. Um... I like the Sacramento Kings. It's pretty like Corel Draw or like Microsoft Painty, but I think it works pretty well. I like their new rebrand. I think it looks pretty good at center court. So I'll go with the Kings, their new one with the little crown and the basketball underneath, the purple and gray. Uh, after that, it gets kind of slim because a lot of it's just like around a basketball uh, with like a letter or something like that or like, I don't know, the Cavaliers logo is super gaudy and ugly. Uh, the Detroit Pistons logo is just, again, Corel Draw, Detroit Pistons on top of some clip art basketball. Uh, I guess the Chicago Bulls, I kind of prefer their logo when they don't write Chicago Bulls above the bull. That seems a little bit too much, but just the logo, the bull's head is pretty fantastic. That's number four for me. And after that, uh, I want to say the Timberwolves the new one, I think, is pretty good. New Timberwolves logo. It's, uh... Oh, maybe it's not that good. It's kind of weird. Uh... Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's pretty lame. It's pretty standard. Uh, let's... Not the Thunder. The Thunder, I don't know what they're trying to do there. I guess the Heat's pretty good. Just the ball going through the hoop, although it's pretty simplistic. Simplistic's not bad, though. Actually, no. I'm gonna go Memphis Grizzlies as my number five. The two-faced, yellow-eyed grizzly bear. I like it. It's solid. It's intimidating. Give me... So my top five will go Bucks, Bulls, Kings, Blazers, and uh, Memphis Grizzlies. NBA logos. Get better. They're not all that very... very I'm not very good at all of them. I mean, the circular ones all stole from, of course, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, <laughs> remember how that was... That thing was a thing? How stupid that was? When the Raptors took the circle logo. Either way, I'm, I'm rambling now. Uh, those are my top five. Uh, let's do one more question here. This one comes from... Uh, I got two more. One from Gorge Jarbahosa. Mayo with fries, yeah or no? Hell no. Don't eat fries with mayo. Don't eat mayo. Fries with uh, like a chipotle aioli or fries just by themselves. Don't drink. Don't eat ketchup. Ketchup is trash. Ketchup is the condiment that is worse. It's never the best option. Ketchup is just like tart, gross paste. Uh, and mayo is like a really like if you're going to spice up the mayo, put it in like some chipotle or something like that. Um, I can get with that. I can go with like a sriracha ketchup maybe. I also like hot sauce with fries or barbecue sauce. That's not a bad call. Um, just like stay away from ketchup and mayo. Th those are too bad. And if you mix both of them together, just get the hell out of my face. Uh, let's go. Last question here from Adam Daniels at Adam Dynasty. Long term, who will be the better player, DeLon Wright or Fred Van Vliet? This is hard. I have gone back and forth in, with this in my head a couple times. DeLon Wright's 26. In theory, you would think that his tools would sort of 
portend a better basketball player, and it might still do that. I mean, DeLon Wright's really good. He's six foot five. He's got crazy long reach. He's a very good defender. Uh, he's a really quirky ball handler, and it's super fun to watch. And he, he even shot like 37% from three this season on weird catch and shoots where no one guarded him for the most part. Although I think in the Wizards series, he started to do a little pull-up stuff off the dribble when guys would go super under screens on him, and that was cool. Um, but like, it's... It feels really raw still, and it's weird because he's almost 26, or he is 26, and I'm not sure when it all comes together to not be raw because there's still lots of games where DeLon doesn't do a whole lot. I think he's a more fun player to watch than Fred. As much as I love Fred and I want Fred back next season, no doubt, I think DeLon's a more fun player to watch and he's capable of more sort of awe-inspiring, weird-ass passes and dunks. He even dunked a couple times this season, which I didn't really know he could do. Um, just like cool assists. Fred is just more steady, uh, doesn't really try stuff that is are out sort of his outside of his purview, and that's great. That's what makes Fred so good. Um, and I just think tools-wise, DeLon is probably the guy you'd want going forward as well defensively. Just, you know, I think in a postseason series, DeLon's a guy who, in theory, you can have on the court at all times and not be too worried about it as a defensive liability, whereas Fred, maybe he can kind of get beaten up, as we saw. As good as a defender as Fred is, like, he's very good for his size. Um, I think maybe that's sort of where the edge goes for me. Because I do think Fred's probably more refined offensive player, and his three-point shot is much more steady and more reliable, and you can use it in different contexts as well. It's not just uh, hope it swings to him when no one's guarding him and take advantage of the of the lack of rotation. It's a, he can pull up off the dribble. He can stand in the corner and make one. He can kind of be a diversion on a big crunch time play where you need someone out there to shoot a three. Fred can be that guy. You know, the last couple minutes of the Cavs game in game one, notwithstanding. Uh, but still, I was happy Fred took those shots because those are good Fred shots. He's really good at them. I would still say, though, because of the defensive upside and just because I'm not sure how much Fred's going to get better either. He's already 23 or 24. Um, I would say probably DeLon is the guy I would want going forward. Both of them are fascinating cases, though, because they're going to have to get paid, whether it's this summer or next summer. And I wonder exactly sort of how the Raptors view those guys, because Kyle Lowry is such, such such a high bar for the Raptors, just as a point guard, as, a, as the best player on the team. I wonder how comfortable they're going to be in a year or two from now, whether it's they, they move, they pivot out next summer, or they just play to the end of Kyle's contract. I wonder how comfortable they'll be with handing it off to one of DeLon or Fred, DeLon being 28 years old and Fred being a couple years into a bigger deal. Um, I, I wonder just how highly they think of them, or if they just kind of view them, the, the Raptors do, as sort of backup point guards. That's one of the more fascinating questions to me, because in theory, it's great. You know, they have these, they, they, these great young point guards. They can take over the keys when Kyle Lowry leaves, but that's a big drop-off, and I'm not sure either of them are going to get that much closer to being a Kyle-Lowry-level Kyle type player by the time his time with the Raptors is up. Um, so I wonder if maybe one of them moves on at some point and the Raptors try to upgrade overall to try to get more of a, you know, star, star level, star level point guard in there as much as point guard is a saturated position right now. I think you kind of want something better than what DeLon or Fred offers as your, you know, 32 minute a game starting point guard. Um, so that, that's an interesting question to me. I think they're both great. I want them both on the Raptors. They're awesome. They make it so much fun to watch and the Raptors having three point guards rules. Um, but yeah, I would say DeLon for the future over Fred and both of them maybe below some other guy who we don't know yet to be sort of the next guy to take over from Kyle down the line. Uh, all right, I probably went too long for this, but uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We will wrap things up there. Uh, you can subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. It's super easy, super helpful, and uh, super good for my ego. 
and I'll be back again probably on Monday with an episode because the Raptors don't have a pick and it's kind of dragging on here. I don't feel super obligated to do daily podcasts right now because there's not that much to talk about. Um, if anything breaks, of course, I'll do a little emergency podcast and we'll get it in there. Um, I've got a thing for family and stuff that I got to get to tomorrow night back in Oshawa. And it's like a two hour drive away from me, probably three hours with Friday night traffic in the GTA. Um, and I work all day before that. So I'm not sure if I'll have time to do a podcast, but thank you so much for tuning into this one. Uh, we will be back again on Monday at the very latest. And we will talk about the week that's cut to come with trades in the draft and are the Raptors going to trade into the draft. Lots of cool questions, lots of fun stuff. Uh, next week's always a good week in the NBA with rumors and all that stuff. Maybe we'll get some fun, juicy Woj bombs. Very excited for those. And if that is the case, we will definitely have some podcasts. You can also listen to me next week. I'm going to be co-hosting all week on TSN 1150 from 6 till 9 a.m. with Kyle Mello. We'll talk World Cup. We'll talk basketball. We'll talk CFL a lot probably too because we're in Hamilton. But uh, make sure you tune in for that as well online and all that stuff. I'll tweet out the links every day. Uh, I'm in there tomorrow as well to talk uh, probably a lot about Nick Nurse. So stay tuned for that in addition on Twitter and all that stuff. Uh, Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody, and cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.